Welcome to our podcast. We are excited to have you along for this journey. My name is Ann Madison, and I'm the Executive Director of Peace Restored. I will be your host as we discuss mental health and faith in our podcast, Seeking Healing, Finding Hope, which is a production of Peace Restored, a 501c3 nonprofit located in Indiana and serving women everywhere. Today, I have Becca Gilmore joining us in our studio, continuing our conversation on boundaries. Becca is on staff with us at Peace Restored on our care team. Becca provides one-on-one care and is a group facilitator. She is a currently attending Liberty University pursuing her degree in counseling. Welcome, Becca. Thank you. Um, so the last time we were together, we had a conversation about um, boundaries and the digital age. Mm-hmm. Could you um, do a little bit of recap for our audience, for those who maybe haven't heard that or maybe just as a refresher? Um, what did we talk about in our last podcast about digital yeah. technology specifically? Uh, We talked a little bit about the on-call life and kind of where we all began back with pagers and how it Mm -hmm. escalated from, you know, going to somebody's door and having to ring the doorbell to speak to them or writing a letter and having to wait days or weeks before Mm -hmm. you hear back to somehow, you know, internet comes into our lives and then the smartphone where the internet's right there on your phone. Mm -hmm. Everything is so instant and people can talk to you 24-7 know of the day and so just talked about that a little bit boundaries with yourself in that area yeah so it can be quite a challenge um for us when we have that instant almost infusion into our life or interjection into our life to be able to know how to say you know i don't i can't do that right now or it's not the time and there's not as much um maybe preparation that has to happen because of technology you can just almost insert yourself into someone's life. Not not necessarily that that person's trying to be rude or, or doing the inserting, but that's really what happens, right? If you're, um, we talked about if you're like at, a, say, a lunch with somebody and mm-hmm. all of a sudden your phone goes off with a text. Now that person inadvertently has inserted themselves into that dynamic and you're just like, oh. Whereas if you're out to lunch and we didn't have technology and somebody hopefully wouldn't walk up to you and just be like, walk up to your lunch team and be like, hi, (laughs) hi, Becca, and they just ask you a question, right? That would be, that's a whole nother conversation. But that typically isn't something we would do in our culture. We wouldn't just insert ourselves into that. But with technology, that person can be inserted into um, a space where we're not ready for them to be inserted. Yeah, true. Yeah. Just that uh, boundary of time and people expecting nowadays, you can answer Within a second, right? And so if you don't, there's that expectation. Mm-hmm. You're doing something wrong, possibly. Yeah, yeah. And so in that scenario, when you're out to lunch with a friend, being able to recognize that and set that boundary and turn your phone off or silent it or turn it off. So, Or even if you're expecting a phone call, that's important, letting the other person know. Yeah. You're like, hey, I'm expecting a phone call from a doctor. Right, or whomever, and then letting them know that's the expectation. But also giving yourself permission, um, because sometimes I think it's almost like we have to give ourselves permission Mm -hmm. to be able to say no to technology for a little bit. It's okay to not answer every text, because most texts aren't emergent. Yeah. Um, If personally, if I have an emergent need, I'm going to call the person. Yeah, that's true. Um, I'm not going to send them a text. I mean, like, we could be extreme. You know, somebody's had a car accident, you're going to text him, hey, <laughs> just had a car accident on the way to the ER. 
you know, some kind of emoji. You're not going to do that, right? You're going to yeah. probably call them and say, I need help, right? I'm, this is an emergency. Um, and so I think we can think through that when we're thinking through digital and technology of if someone's texting me, more than likely if it's emergent or necessary for us to have them interject into our space, they're going to do a couple of things, right? They might start texting multiple times. They might they would start calling. So things will escalate is That's my point. True, yes. And so, and so that can allow us to give ourselves permission with technology to be able to go, oh, there's certain limits that we can have with technology. We don't have to be on, so to speak, all yeah. the time. And that can be hard. But today we're going to be talking a little bit more specific or another kind of niche, if you will, in the technology world and talking about technology and teenagers. Yeah. Specific. So if you're listening to this, and even if you're not a teen and you're listening to this or you don't have a teenager in your life, I'd encourage you to keep listening because I think some of the things you're going to hear might affect you, especially if um, the majority of your life or a good portion of your life, you've been brought up in an environment where you've had technology around you. There might be some of these points that you want to um, integrate into your your personal life. So while we'll have a focus on teens and technology today, um, just encourage you guys to continue to listen because I think there'll be good talking points um, for you to take off on your own. So let's kind of jump into today's topic. When we think about technology and maybe limitations um, with our teens, What's some of the things that we kind of think about in that area? Well, for me, I think about, well, for one, it's hard enough setting boundary limits for yourself with technology, Uh right? And so to consider also finding a way to set those limits appropriately and safely for your children is a whole other task in itself. Right. Um, Yeah, that I think is a huge conversation in itself because if we as the adults or the one setting the example Mm – we don't have healthy limitations or expectations of what we want with our with our um, technology, yeah, or what we ex- what we allow in that space. Then it's really hard for us to demand, request. Yeah, this is very true. out of our of our teens because they're going to look at us and say, "Wait a minute! If every time the phone goes off and you pick it up, but you're telling me mm-hmm. to not have access to my phone all the time." It sends confusing messaging. Yeah, and I one thing I think about too is being the parent and going back to kind of those generational differences. Growing up, you might not have had as much struggle yourself mm-hmm. in the area of technology, but nowadays it's so important for teenagers to have that access mm-hmm. from the pressure of their friends. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's their world currently. Yeah. It is. And so it's a little bit different to consider, too. It might be easier for you to set boundaries for yourself than it might be for your kid to accept the boundaries put on them. Well, I think in that same thread as we're talking through this is that they're going to see by your example that there is life outside of technology. And that's a really healthy thing for us to learn in our relationships because sometimes when we think about technology, we end up making that our our main source for relationship. Yeah. And really, we aren't designed to be in a relationship that way. No, we're not. We're designed to be in a relationship like you and I are being right now, across the table, if you will, yeah. having conversation, being in the same space. 
if um, you and I only knew each other through a screen, we'd have a different relationship than we do now. A very different relationship, yes. Yeah, yeah one thing I was thinking about too is even if you're doing Snapchat or you're video mm-hmm. calling, you're still, there's all of these um, apps and things that you can manipulate what it even looks like on your mm. end. Yeah. And you can blur out everything. You can get off whenever you want. You can still manipulate the experience. For sure. Mm-hmm. So you can, Yeah, you can change your environment to look different. You can pretty things up. Yeah. You can, you can even, they have so many filters now where you can even change your look. It's, yeah, so it's um, the reality, <laughs> right, of relationship mm-hmm. is being with the person. So when we think of technology of the digital age, it really affects that relationship. And so we have to be careful to set those proper limits and expectations of what that can look like over time. So when we think about um, technology, it also opens up more avenues for us to have greater access to maybe say things we may not have been able to say in the past. Um, So again, you know, we think one of the things that I never had to deal with as a young person is cyberbullying. We didn't have internet when I was a kid. Um, And so that wasn't a thing. And so some of the things that people might say, and it may not even be through bullying per se, but just sometimes people have feel more freedom Mm -hmm. to express or say things online that they wouldn't, again, come into your personal conversation and say it. So if we use the example we had earlier of being at lunch, hopefully somebody's not going to walk up to you and say something very personal or very... um, pointed like they wouldn't walk into the conversation and say Becca I really hate your hair color you need to change it right but then again mm-hmm. that same person might say that on social media yeah they might critique a lot of areas of mm-hmm. your life that they wouldn't normally and and right. to your face or in person yeah and so that opening up that conversation if you will and technology can be a really hard space to navigate for us to know how do we let other people know that's not acceptable? How do we show our kids how to navigate that? Because mm-hmm. sometimes what happens when we have that communication space on technology where somebody says something negative or maybe there's bullying, what would you surmise or guess or from your experience think that the natural kind of progression of that is for most from the bullier, bullying side? From the person or? who's receiving. I would think that they would start to take it to heart, start mm-hmm. to believe the negative things about themselves. Yep. Um, yeah. Find their worth in the opinions of other people. Yeah, absolutely. That can be, that's definitely one of the things that happens, right? We, yeah. t- we t- tend to own it. Like, that's mine. I have to carry that. Mm-hmm. Another thing that happens is sometimes people will now, they'll engage. That's true. Yeah, they might give something critical back. Mm-hmm. Start a war, right? So <laughs> instead of saying, you know, I I can't do this. This is not appropriate. I won't accept that in my space, and shut it down. They will either own the feelings. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that this is terrible. I didn't know I was doing this thing, or I didn't know I was so terrible. Whatever that is, that was being yeah. said over them or to them about them. They'll start to own that or they'll engage, like you said, like kind of a warfare and they'll be going back and forth, back and forth. Or even both. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it could be both. Yeah. It might sink into their heart as 
that's what they end mm-hmm. up believing about themselves, but their first initial reaction might be the offense. Yeah. So by, when we think about communication online, again, our, the younger generation is looking to the generation ahead of them, whatever that is, right? And so every generation has a generation ahead of them or older than them, looking at them to see how they're going to respond. And so when we go on technology, we have to be really careful about how we're using that because I see the digital age of technology as a tool, it's a, pl- it's a way that we can, it can be something that could be used for tremendous good. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be a great way of connection for those who aren't close to you, like geographically. Um, it's a way to bridge while people are away or to stay in community. I mean, there's so many wonderful things that, could be com- that can come from it. Yeah. And so I think we all have a responsibility to show how we can use technology well and to use it appropriately and at that same thread, we have to be able to show how we can then, when there is the negative that comes up with technology yeah. or digital, how to how to navigate that. Yeah. And I think one of the ways that we all learn well is by watching others do it. I would say the. I don't. I I would maybe argue to say in a positive way is that. One of the things that I've watched over the years is I think that's one of the reasons why we've gotten community-wide, people have gotten good at the arguing on technology is because that's what they're watching happen more and more and more. Yeah. They might feel like they're supposed to be mm-hmm. initiating or instigating things as well. Yeah. I almost think of if we many times we think of what do we want our world to look like or our communities to look like. I think we can take that same ideology into technology. What do you want that digital world that you live in to look like? Do you want it to be chaotic? Do you want it to be combative? What do you, what is it? How do you define that space? Because yeah. how you define a space is how you know what your limits are. So if you define that space, like I define that space as something I use um, as a tool a way to um, communicate certain messaging that I want to communicate, but also to connect with those that I love and I care about and to be able to see things that I might not be able to see. Like I can't go to everybody in my family's, you know, everything that they do, but I love to be able to see what they're doing. And so for me, that's a gift to be able to see those things, but we have to know what that is for ourselves. Yeah, and the one thing that I just keep going back to thinking about from the teenagers' perspective too, they might not be ha- they might not be able to have that mindset quite yet, mm-hmm. and so it might be hard for them maybe to look to their parent as an example at their current stage of life. Yeah, and it might not make sense for them until they get a little older. Yeah, and so that's just a thought that I keep thinking about. And why it might be just very important just to really know your kid and their inner thoughts and just to mm. be efficient, spending time with them, yeah. picking at their brain and their heartstrings and just mm-hmm. finding out who they really are as a person. Yeah, I think that's really good because we ha- it's about that building. By building that relationship with them, you're also mimicking what it's like to have a relationship outside of technology. Yeah, that's very like, true. Like I can be in relationship with you. We're showing them how to do that by us investing in time with them, us spending time with them. Aside from technology, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Because sometimes I think even within our family dynamic, we can get kind of sucked into that mm-hmm. um, world of even communicating with those in our own circle through technology only. Like, um, I know I've been guilty of this when my kid, when I had teenagers at home, and uh, where you would just text each other in the same house, right? Yeah, and because it's convenient, it's easy. Yeah. Instead of walking the 20 feet it takes me to get to their door and having a conversation with them to be in in relationship with them. And so things like that we can be doing to say, okay, you are worth it, I think is what we're showing too, is that they're worth the extra effort. You're worth me, me, you know, now my kids live different places. And so we do use technology to communicate, but they're still worth me showing up at their house Mm -hmm. or going to see them. Um, planning time where we can be together. And so there's all those things we can do to show the value of the other person. And um, I think, like you said, they're not going to always be able to understand what we're trying to um, show them through example. But if we're consistent in our examples over time, they're going to remember that behavior. I think it's when we have um, wide swings in our behavior and makes it hard for our kids to navigate through now, it's not saying that you couldn't ever have um, a time where you were doing one thing and you changed and it was drastically different from what you did before. Mm-hmm. It's saying when you get to that change, stay consistent yeah. as you're growing forward. Communicate and, about mm-hmm. it. Describe why you're mm-hmm. doing this. Yes. And describe the value, what you value through making that change so they mm-hmm. understand. And then you're right. Yeah, be consistent with it. Yeah, consistency is very key. <laughs> um, so when we think about setting those um, kind of those rules, if you will, um, of what we want to allow in our technology. Do you think we should make them something that's um, rigid? Or do you think we should give some fluidity to that? How do you think, what do you think about that? Um, that brings me to one principle that I was looking at, um, which we've talked about earlier in the Boundaries podcast too, the law of sowing and reaping, Um, and kind of giving them, explaining to them that they'll be given as much freedom as they can be responsible with and use well. And so meaning, I'll just say meaning that, um, that they should use their freedom only in ways that don't hurt themselves or anybody else. Mm -hmm. And if they're able to be responsible and do that well, they can, they'll keep those freedoms and even be given more freedom. Mm-hmm. And if they can't, if they do do some destructive behavior to either themselves or others, then you kind of scale back. And I think it's too very important to have the conversation with them, though, to explain yes. what that looks like and why. Yeah, because could you, could you imagine if you didn't explain, you just all of a sudden took that away? Yeah. What do you think that teenager might be thinking if all of a sudden you just thought, oh, Something so mom or dad or you know parental figure sees something and they they go oh they they don't need to have access to that and so they just take that access away yeah but they don't have conversation with that teen well the teenager would be confused mm-hmm. they would feel like they did something wrong but also without feeling like mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of confusing because they didn't think they were doing anything wrong they're just doing what somebody else showed them to do. Right. And without it being explained to them, how can they change that behavior? Yeah. I think there could even be some anger and conflict that ensues. Yeah. Why you know, you take that away from me. Yeah. <laughs> That's not fair. Yeah. I don't understand. 
And a lot of times, because developmentally, that teenager doesn't know how to express everything they're feeling, yeah, um, it may come out in anger. You might have screaming, you might have rage, you might have slamming doors. Yeah. And then it becomes this crazy-making cycle in our own family dynamic where then the parent responds to that anger, maybe not positively. Yeah. And we end up feeding off each other. And now instead of it just being wait, we need to have a conversation about technology, it becomes a whole dynamic shift in the house. You create a battlefield, and then it can be hard for the teenager to trust the parent, Mm -hmm. I feel like, too. Yes, because it affects more than just that moment with technology. It's not just about the technology anymore. Whereas if you you go to that teenager and say, look, I noticed this, this behavior, this action, this thing that happened... And we need to pull back on what you're doing and have a conversation. Yeah. Let's process through this together and figure out why, right? Why not just why why what happened happened, but help them understand why that's so important that they don't do that thing, whatever that is. Um, I'm a I'm a strong proponent in helping people understand the why behind. Mm-hmm. Um, not only why we do it, but why we need to not do it. Yeah. Because if not, then we're just setting up a ton of rules and regulations. It's just basically an on and off switch. You either do or you don't. You do or you don't. And now we're trying to get them to be robotic. It does not work. It does not. (laughs) Or we end up creating a dynamic where the person's only doing that out of fear. I have to have the on or off switch properly set. Because if I don't, there's a fear component attached to it, right? There's going to be a negative response. And I need to know which switch to have flipped so I can live within the proper setting. Yeah. And so, yeah. It can be hard, too. I feel like a lot of parents out there might go rely on the because I said so tactic. Yes. Yep. But if the kids don't understand. Yep. You know. And and just to clarify, I think because I said so might be appropriate initially in some situations. Oh, of course. Because... You can't, let's just use an extreme example. This isn't technology related, but if a child is going to run out into a road and you say, stop, don't go, you yeah. can't be like, now little Johnny and explain <laughs> the thing, right? You need yeah. them to be, because I said so, you need to come back. So sometimes we need yeah. that immediate response, but that means after the immediate response is when that's when you can sit and you can explain. Yeah, I don't think we should sit in the, because I said so, Therefore, yeah. you must obey because it does, it causes confusion. So we can take that same principle into technology, right? Yeah. And say, how can I integrate that? There might be times where our, we see our children doing um, dangerous behavior mm-hmm. and they don't realize it. Um, just yeah. like the little kid who's going to chase a ball out into the road, they don't realize it's a dangerous behavior, but we need to pull them back quickly. Make sure they're safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then after the because I said so initial, we need to sit in that space with them, explain that, explain to them why. To give them the opportunity Mm -hmm. to learn. Yeah. Because if not, their whole life, we're going to be trying to stop them from chasing that metaphorical ball, right? Which can sometimes, too, create a rebelliousness. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it feels, that feels controlling. Yeah. As opposed to helping that person learn what their own limits are which is what we're trying to do. Because as we teach someone how far they can go with what it, whether it's digital or whatever, we're teaching them how to be good, productive members 
adult members of society. Because if you don't learn that when you're younger, it's not impossible as an adult. It just takes a little bit longer. So another thing that we want to think about when we think about the digital age is the idea of privacy, especially when we think about our teens. So sometimes our teens want to have full access to everything on technology, right? And they want to have all their privacy and not be able to share with mom and dad all the things. And that's a really important space for us to navigate with our kids to be able to say what, how far. And it, and I think this is a really hard thing for us to kind of navigate through um, maybe as the adult with the teen is sometimes it can feel like, I think especially to the teen that we don't, that there's a distrust yeah. And we put those limits there. When you say to a teen, for example, I'm going to allow you to have Snapchat. But once a week, I want to sit down with you and we're going to review, go through your Snapchat page. Mm-hmm. You know, so I've known to parents who do that. What are some other ways that you've heard that might be parents might um, set some of those kind of safety limits or boundaries with kids that might feel on the other side, like, yeah, they, they might bristle against. Well, they have to be on the internet in the middle of the kitchen oh, mm-hmm. in open space yep. if they're ever on the computer. Okay. Or if they are allowed to be on a laptop in their room, keeping the door open. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, things like that. Yeah. Searching history. Mm-hmm. Like maybe, maybe they have a rhythm of how often the parents search their, go, look at their search history. Yeah. Um, they're not allowed to delete the search history. Yeah, because you know? there's a record of that too, I believe. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's, hey, as a family, until, and maybe there's different markers where different things happen in their in your family that you're, that's listening. So it might be that um, at at a certain age, you're not allowed to have maybe um, your own, have passwords that are your own. Maybe you have to share those with the family or yeah. your parents. Um, to give access. And it's not because it's more of a helping you to understand the limits of how to use um, technology because there's so much to learn. There's so much to navigate through. Yeah. And so while it may feel as if a parent is trying to control you, often a parent is trying to figure out how do I navigate through this chaotic world of technology with you because there's so much that you have access to in technology um, that can be quite overwhelming, even to an adult. Even now, just having a cell phone, a smartphone, mm-hmm. you can search anything. Anything. Like how do you, li- you, can't, you can't limit technology, like all of it. Yeah. And so. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though there's like safe filters and everything on everything that we can add now, yeah. There's still things that come through and sometimes that's part of the learning process with technology is how to search for things online. Yeah. How to do that because we can have a very innocent search and something very the opposite of innocence comes up, right? Yeah. Something that could be very startling to a young person to come up. That would be like I wasn't, that's not what I was looking for. Yeah, you could go down a rabbit hole mm-hmm. very easily. Yeah. An accident. Absolutely. Which I can, I can see how that could be very difficult because if you were the parent and then you go and look back at the search history mm-hmm. or 
where they landed, your first initial reaction is maybe your your child searched for that, but what if they did it on accident? Right. And that goes back to just knowing your kid and picking up on those cues too mm-hmm. with how they react or respond. Yeah, and I think that's where we have to make sure we have a good conversation, sit down, yeah. and you do see that maybe they they were searching for something, they went to this questionable page or a page yeah. that put them in a compromising position or opened up just so many options there. So and it might be a good conversation to have with that child, that teenager to be able to say, look, I noticed this happened. Tell me about it. Yeah. What's happening here? Because it could have been, like we said, a very innocent, I was searching for one thing and then all these pages came up. I didn't know what they were. I clicked on it and yeah, it scared them or they didn't know or they were confused um, because there is like I said, so much online yeah. that um, years ago, if we wanted to, you know, if I wanted to look up something, I'd have to go to the library, look for a book. You know, it was a way different process than now when you're searching for just looking for research for their homework. So it's it's good to have those conversations, but it can feel, I think, to that teenager that it's, they can feel control as opposed to trying to come alongside of them and be an advocate. Because yeah. I, I think that's maybe a good word to think about. How can you, as the authority person over that teen, be an advocate for them mm-hmm. to come alongside to help them navigate through technology? Because, man, it is yeah. a beast. But I think there can be a challenge as that teen starts to get to be an older teen and they start to progress into adulthood. Yeah. Like, how do I now as a parent, start to shift my expectations. So how do I, as a parent, begin to shift what I expect of that teen and maybe give some of that control or freedom back to that teen as they start to become in maybe that older 19, 20, 21-year-old? Because sometimes our young adults are still living in our homes in their 20s, and there might be we might um, stay in that pattern of what, um, the system was in the family as a teenager, but not move forward with them into their 20s. And so there's there comes a time where we have to start migrating, if you will, mm-hmm. into that um, journey. Because obviously, as a parent, if we, if we, I, I, I couldn't imagine following around my adult children and be like, <laughs> okay, what did you search on your internet today? Yeah. And at some point, you have to hand that. It's almost like you hand the torch over to them and say, "Here you go. Yeah. This is I've taught you. I've I've given you your. I've given you the tools you need to go and now create your own yeah. systems." And I think that age can look different for everybody. Mm-hmm. I think that depending on how your child responds to the privacy limits that you give them, yep. if they're able to handle the privacy and nothing really comes up. Like we discussed earlier, give them more yeah. options, to more privacy. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's important to just be paying attention to if their mood or their behaviors change. Mm-hmm. And then that's when you kind of encroach, is that a good mm-hmm. word, to kind mm-hmm. of then start investigating, like, hey, why is why is my teenager sad all of a sudden? It mm-hmm. was, is cyberbullying going on? Right. Especially if they don't want to talk about it or won't share mm-hmm. it with you. You kind of have to you know, overstep that boundary. But as they get older, too, hopefully the idea is that you've raised them to a point to pass Mm -hmm. the baton, like you said, Mm -hmm. and 
at some point, they have to reap more consequences if they d- decide to continue with a certain behavior. Yeah. And then hopefully you've done your job and they'll remember all of those conversations that you had and been like, they experienced some pain through a destructive behavior with technology. Mm-hmm. Maybe they need to feel the pain a little bit. Yeah. And then remember, oh, my mom or my dad warned me about this. Yeah. It was, it's, as you mentioned that, I was just listening to a podcast by Dr. Cloud this morning. <laughs> And he was talking about um, how as we go through um, trials in life, we need to feel that tension. And he gave yeah. the example of a tree and nature um, that and I'm probably going to get this a little incorrect, but <laughs> a tree and nature has to have the pressure of the storm to become stronger yeah. because it needs that resistance that they feel um, on the root systems and different things. And that's what actually strengthen, strengthens the tree. Yeah. And it's the same principle with us when our relationship with our kids is they need to feel that resistance, that push-pull with us in appropriate ways so that way they can strengthen their muscles, if you will, of this is is what I need to do. They need – it's positive for growth to feel that – for them to feel that resistance of, oh, that hurt, that was uncomfortable, that didn't feel good. And through that experience – is how they're going to do what you said, which is grow and to become that, hopefully, that mature adult that's yeah. going to be able to make good and wise decisions. Yeah, I think as parents, you want to protect your kid from mm-hmm. everything, right? But protecting them from everything doesn't allow them to grow into that character and person. So I think it's important as we can, as we kind of wrap up this conversation to recognize that as we work with our kids, no one teenager or adult relationship is going to be the same. Yeah. And so we have to make sure we have an ongoing communication with that um, that individual of what it looks like through digital technologies um, and then include our teens in that conversation. We don't want to be making um, kind of like unilateral authoritative decisions um, because that's where that conflict comes into play. Yeah, and that makes me think of an example that I read about where the the parent – had their child kind of come up with a presentation, like a PowerPoint, mm-hmm. about their own ideas of how to limit their own technology mm-hmm. and to research about the dangers of it and ask their mm-hmm. kid to come up with ideas yeah. to implement for the family to stand by. Mm-hmm. And that's how they came up with the boundaries for their family. And I thought that was a really that's, cool idea. That is really good. Because sometimes we think that um, as the adult, we have to be the ones that sets. Yeah all the rules or the regulations for the family yeah. or, you know, instead saying, you know what, let's bring you into this conversation. Because mm-hmm. quite frankly, sometimes our kids know more about technology than we do. Yeah. I'll give them that sense of control and like they're contributing. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's the more that they can contribute, the more they can be involved in that process. Yeah the more likely they're going to be to want to uphold that standard that they've set. Because if they had a voice in that, they're going to be like, oh, I remember why this was so important. So so they're going to understand more of why they need to have that be a part of their rhythm and technology. That's so good. So I think this has been a really good conversation today, thinking about how technology and the digital age and our teens and all these things kind of 
just intertwined together, mm-hmm. how they all just are really a part of our everyday life. We're not going to get away from it. It's not something we can just pretend it's not there. Um, we can, there might, I think there's some that think if they just close their eyes tight enough and <laughs> hope that the technology will go away, but it's just not going anywhere. No. Big selling. Mm-hmm. So we really need to learn um, how to embrace um, what is the reality of our current world today, how to navigate through it. Um, and I think the important thing is not to navigate it in isolation. I think if you have, if you are an, an adult trying to figure out how to navigate through this with your teens, it might be getting together with other friends and say, how can, you know, do you, you know, and I think in a positive way, I, I would caution not to get together to make it a group where we just kind of um, feed off of each other's frustration and complaints. But like, what are things that you find are working? What are some tips and tricks that you do? What do you know about technology? Because everybody's going to have a different level of um, information or know-how yeah. on technology than other people. And so finding a good core group that you guys can kind of work through this together. And like I, like you said, bringing those teens into the conversation. Don't disclude yeah. them because they're going to bring in way more information than probably you might realize. Yeah, they you know, And technology is rapidly changing. For those who are kind of in the trenches with the technology, if you will, they're going to be able to keep up with the changes quicker than those of us who maybe aren't. And so to bring that wisdom in is going to help us be able to set those clear expectations for everybody around. Yeah. And so I just think this is such a good conversation. It's necessary. Absolutely. Um, it's something that we forget about, but I, I, I love that we were able to kind of talk through some of these different things together. Yeah. So again, for those of you who have been listening today, thank you for joining us. If you've missed any of our previous podcasts, please check them out. Um, you can go to any podcatcher and go through and find different topics that we have. On um, We have more series on the boundaries we have on safe people and um, other topics as well that you can find on our podcast. In the meantime, if you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to our website, which is peacerestore.net. Don't forget to check out our show notes where you'll be able to find links and additional content. As we wrap up our discussion today, make sure to stay tuned as we'll continue to share with you practical ways where you too can seek healing and find hope. Join us on our next podcast where we'll continue to discuss mental health and faith. So come back next time for transformation, growth, and power. This is Peace Restored.